The Lord be with you. And welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will. Open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be picking up in a series that I've been doing for the last few weeks um, out of this epistle to the church at Corinth. And uh, I want to just kind of pick up. The first two weeks ago, we looked at the fact that we have a great treasure in clay pots, that God had entrusted to us a ministry, and, and he had entrusted to us a ministry that was, that was an amazing, awe-inspiring task to, to help lead the second exodus. If you go back to chapter three of Second Corinthians, which I talked about how the first exodus where Moses led the children of God out of the bondage and captivity of Egypt into the land of promise. And here, our ministry, the ministry of the church, the ministry is to follow the footsteps of Jesus, the second Moses, as he, our Passover lamb, makes a way for us to exit captivity and bondage into sin and enter into the life of God as sons and daughters of the Most High God, ushering us ever towards the land of promise, our eternal home in the presence of the living God. Now we have this treasure, we, now look around, do you think, if you were gonna take a treasure like that and expound it to the world, do you think you'd pick somebody like me? Or you? But God has chosen us and called us to this great task of making known his love and his grace and his life to the world. Well, we have a great treasure in clay pots. Now, the last week we looked about the, how do we go about, what, on what basis can we even take on such a ministry as this? Well, it's because we have a faith that is rooted in the same faith that existed way back in the Old Testament. We have a spirit of faith And we believe in the Savior, so we speak the truth. We are rooted and grounded in a common faith, a faith that the Lord God Almighty keeps his promises. And he made a way for us to be reconciled to him. The same promise that was made in the Garden of Eden is ours. And we have this spirit of faith that the Lord God has redeemed us and called us in mercy to be his very own. And so we proclaim to the world the good news that we have in ourselves. And our focus is that we might have more people giving more thanks so that God gets more glory. This is the focus of our living now. In light of what God has done for us, we want to see more people come to know the grace of God and to be forgiven of their sins and to be set free from their captivity and to be ushered towards the land of hope. And so we want more people and, and, and we want, as we go, we want to be thankful people. We want to say, oh God, thank you for today. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for life. Thank you for the church. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for my heart beating. We want to be thankful people. So that God gets glory as we go, and God's get, God gets glory as people come, and God gets glory when we get there. 
that we are ushered in to this great cacophony of worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory and power and majesty and might. Are you warming up today for that day? Are you praising God today? Are you thankful for God today? Well, this is the foundation upon which we're doing our living right now. We're clay pots with a great treasure, living a faith today focused on on the Lord God and his future glory. Now, we ended last week with Paul um, giving us this admonition to remember that what we see isn't what's eternal. And, and from this passage, beginning in verse 17 of chapter 4, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And we remembered a book written by C.S. Lewis, and if you haven't read it, I commend it to you, The Weight of Glory. And we remembered one of Lewis's most famous quotes from that book is that you and I, we don't suffer from the malady of expecting too much from God. We suffer from the malady of being satisfied with way too little from God. We're like children that are satisfied making mud pies in the slums as opposed to children who are experiencing the glory of a fortnight at the seaside. And I reminded you, for those of you who've been to 30A, I think that's what Paul was thinking about. Down there on 30A with those beautiful turquoise waters coming upon that white sand. I, I think that's exactly where Paul had it in mind and I think that's what Lewis was thinking about as well. I think, <clears throat> I think that's the place. But dear ones, even that is temporary. It's transient. It's going away. It pales in comparison to reality. Now, all that was introduction, and none of that counts towards sermon time, so there you go. Um, (laughs) Here we enter into the text for today, and I want to help us get into the text today with another work of C.S. Lewis. How many of you have ever read, or at the bare minimum, seen the movies, The Chronicles of Narnia? Okay, good. So there's four children the Pivensey children, and they find themselves in wartime in England. And they're shipped from London to a relative's home out in the country to be safe from the bombing. And these children are curious, like all children are, and they explore the house, and what do they find? A wardrobe. Just an ordinary old wooden thing that you put coats in. But then they open the door to the wardrobe and they push their way through these thick coats and they find themselves in the land of Narnia. In the land of Narnia, they come to discover that their identity is not merely school children from England, but that they are what? Kings and queens. They are kings and queens of Narnia. They are followers of Aslan. They are the kings and queens of Narnia. Now, the movie doesn't do justice to what the books portray, but when the children one day make their way back through the wardrobe and find themselves back in England, who are they? They're kids again, but who are they really? They're kings and queens of Narnia, living in war-torn England. They possess a dignity and a purpose and an identity that is greater than their circumstance. Brothers and sisters, today I want you to know something. You are sons and daughters 
of the Most High God. You are children of the King. You have an identity and a purpose and a dignity that transcends the circumstances of this earth. You have a calling that is greater than what your title is on this earth. You have a inheritance that is greater than any riches that you possess in any bank or 401k. You have a position and a nobility that is greater than what is on your business card. What is seen in this world is temporary and passing away. What is true about you and what St. Paul wants you to remember today is that you are a child of God. And your purpose in this world is to live that identity now. Here in chapter five, he says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The first thing I want you to see is that we are pitching a tent here on earth. How many of you know that tents are temporary dwellings? Have you ever been camping? Like, I love camping. I really do. I don't want to live in a tent. I enjoy camping, maybe one, two, three days tops. I'm ready then for a hot shower, a warm bed, and some real permanent walls. We're not not longing to live in a tent, are we? Now, camping's fun, but it's not our destiny. Paul reminds us here in this first verse that what we have here on earth is a tent. Whatever you have, and some of you have really nice houses, but guess what? It's not your home. There will come a day where you'll draw your last breath and you won't live there anymore. You'll live in your home, heaven, the presence of the living God, the place that you've been designed for. So whatever you have here, it's temporary. And if you realize that, it helps you with a whole lot of perspective on how you live. If you ever want to live a life that is radically sold out for the living God, you have to understand that everything this world has to offer you is only temporary. Because, you know, that's how Paul could say, take everything that I have, take all my possessions, take all my titles, take all the stuff that the world has accumulated to my account, take it all, I don't care for any of it. All I want is Jesus. If you live with the idea that everything is temporary and God God can take any of it at any time and it won't matter because what the truth about you is is that you still are God's, then you are free. You're free. You can live anywhere, anyhow, anytime. They can come and persecute you. They can take your property. They can do anything in the world to you and it will not defeat you because all that they did was take your tent. They haven't plundered your home. Is this the reality with which you live? Brothers and sisters, we can do anything for Christ if we realize that the trappings of this world are nothing more than a tent. That we have an eternal home made with the hands of God. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Our heavenly dwelling is not so much about gold streets and pearly gates. It's about being in the very presence of the living God. It's about being purchased by the love and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's about having the Holy Spirit of God poured into us 
and abiding in us until we're reconciled with the Father and the Son. We are engrafted into the love of the Trinity. We are engrafted into the life of the living God. This is our home. This is our our purpose. This is who we are. So we have tents now, but we have a true home awaiting us. So the second thing I want you to see is, before I leave that, I want you to understand that when we pitch our tents here, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. John chapter one, verse 14, in the message where Eugene Peter says that Jesus pitched his tent among us. I like the language. Some of the more um, used translation, use more dignified language, but I really like what Peterson did there when he said, it's a great picture. Jesus, Jesus came here temporarily. He pitched a tent among us so that he could share with us the good news of God's love and make a way for us to be reconciled to God and then he was going back home so that he could prepare what? A place for us. So as we pitch our tits here on earth and as we, as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we know that this is all temporary, but the true home that we have waiting for us is glorious. It's beyond all description. It's beyond all understanding. Have you ever been with someone who's lived a life for Jesus and they come to the point of drawing their last breath and they, my, my grandmother looked up and she said, I see home. The last thing she said is, I'm coming. That's how I wanna die. I wanna die recognizing that everything that I have in this world is temporary. I wanna live boldly for the Lord Jesus and I wanna die glimpsing the glory of my true home in heaven. And that's, that's what we all have to look forward to. But it, while we pitch our tents, we need to press towards home. Look at verses two through eight. For, this tent, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. The first thing I want you to know is that here that, that Paul says, as we live in this tent, our, our pressing towards home will involve a struggle, a groaning, a longing. In, in this, this, this word that Paul uses, this groaning, it's this guttural, interior desire. And what are we desiring? There's an anticipation of home. Are you living with a longing for home? Are you living for a longing of being in the presence of God? Like I think of Moses when he went out to the tent outside the camp and the Shekinah glory fell upon the tent and Moses met with the Lord face to face. Wouldn't you want to have been there? Don't you want to be there in the presence of God, face to face with the one who loves you, face to face with the one who made, this is our longing, this is our home. The greatest thing about heaven is that we'll get to be with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's this groaning in Romans chapter eight, verses 22, 23, and 26. Paul describes that it's not just us longing for God, but that all of creation finds itself with this groaning, this this guttural longing for what it was created for. You see, the garden was created perfect. Man was created perfect. We were created for fellowship with God. We were created to be in the presence of the holy. And when the fall came, all of that was broken and creation was cursed and mankind was cursed with the fall. And ever since, we've been longing for home. There's this innate 
guttural groan within us for God. Augustine said there's a God-shaped hole in our heart and we will not find rest until we find our rest where? In him. So we have a groaning as we press towards him, a groaning of anticipation. We also have a groaning against the fall. For we groan not only to put on our heavenly dwelling, but if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would rather be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Look, here's what Paul's saying. While we're in this body, we groan with the burden of the reality of the fall. How many of you have struggled with sin this week? Oh, good. We'll have confession and absolution here in just a few moments before we go to the table. But we're all guilty, right? How many of you have been sick recently? How many of you have had an ache or a pain, especially those of us over 50? Right? How many of you are on medicine of any kind? Okay, look, so you get the point. Our bodies, which were created perfect and created to be in the fellowship of the holy, and created to live in his presence are broken and broken down. And all the world that is around us is broken down. You know how I know? I saw Jimmy Young this morning worshiping the Lord, pulling weeds. Now see, for some people that might be work. For Jimmy, that's worship, because he praises the Lord while he pulls weeds. He says, Lord, thank you that I'm redeeming creation. I'm redeeming it for you. Your glory is coming as I take these weeds out. That's right. So, it's the all of creation. We don't have to plant weeds. We don't have to grow destruction. We don't have to plant the lies in the heart of children. We don't, we don't have to create hatred. It's, it's all around us. What we have to do as those whose home is in heaven and whose faith is in the living God is to love those who hate us, serve those who are suffering, seek to reconcile those that are lost, The work of the believer is the work of redemption. As God is redeeming us, we are to be about the redeeming of the world. There's a groaning within us to see everything made right for the glory of God. So Paul says, we've pitched our tents here on this earth. We know it's temporary and we're pressing towards home. Our heart groans with a longing for God. Our hearts groan with a frustration for the fall, but we have courage for the journey. Look at verses six through eight. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and with the Lord. Here's what Paul's saying. Look, we know that being here on this earth, there's a distance still between us and the living God. We're not home yet. But we walk by faith, believing God's promises Obeying God's truth, living for God's glory. We walk by faith because we know that it could be today that he comes again. It could be this day that the eastern sky is split, that the Lord God breaks through and calls us to himself. It's today could be the day that we see him face to face. Wouldn't that be glorious? Do you have the courage that if I live today and Jesus comes again, I'll be with him forever? And if he doesn't come, I'll live by faith and he'll see me home. This is the courage of the Christian life. This is the courage for the believer. 
Dear ones, if you understand this world is temporary, if you understand that your true home is forever secure, if you understand that you were made for the glory of God and to be present with God, you can face this world with courage. You can face your troubles with courage. You can face your enemy understanding they cannot defeat you. We walk by faith because we walk with the Lord. The last thing I want you to see We've pitched our tents, we're turning our face and we're pressing towards home. The last thing I want you to see is our priority for every day. Priority for every day. Look at verses nine and 10. So whether we are at home in the body or away, present with him, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Two things I want you to see here. Our priorities involve two things. One, pleasing the Lord. Did you wake up today and say, Lord God, this is the day that you've made. Here am I. Send me. Did you wake up this day and say, Lord God, I count everything lost because I want to know you. I want to live for you. I want you to get glory in me. God, I I want, at the end of the day, what I really want is for you to be able to say, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with you. Not that I get more stuff. Not that I've had a good day or a good time, but I want the most Important priority for me is that I I could say that God is pleased with me, with what I've spoken, with what I've thought, with how I've used my hands, with how I've stewarded my resources, with how I've cared for those who God puts in my path. I want God to be pleased. Is this a priority for today? St. Paul says for those who have been entrusted with a great treasure in clay pots, who've based their life on faith, their priority must be the pleasure of the living God. Why? Because one day we want to be present with him. Now, brothers and sisters, what this verse is not teaching you is that you earn your salvation. Your salvation is secure in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But what this verse is saying is, what you do in your body does matter. There's a, there's a doctrine that the church used to talk a lot about that we don't talk about very much called holiness. You're saved by grace so that you might live a life of holiness, so that you might live a life reflecting, incarnating, showing to the world, making present right here, right now, what Jesus looked like. And it's not because you want to earn anything, but because of what the life that you've been given, because of the grace that has been poured upon you, you live out in your body what Christ has done for you. So that when you get into his presence, he could say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your salvation. And that all the, the there's pictures in the, in the Bible that of our good works looking like jewels and crowns that we lay before the feet of Jesus. Because you see, we're not earning these things to get anything to our account. All that we have is Christ's righteousness. That's our only hope. All the good things that we do, we lay at the feet of Jesus as an act of worship because all the good works that we did were to make much of him, not to make much of us. 
All the good works that we do are so that people might see his glory, not give us glory. All the good works that we do, we lay as an act of worship at his feet because he alone has secured our salvation and he alone is worthy of our worship. So, dear ones, have you pitched your tent in this world? Do you realize that where you are is temporary and not eternal? Are you pressing towards home? Have you grown for God and lived with courage and faith? Is your priority to please God so that whether it be today or someday when you're present with him, he might be pleased with you? If so, praise God. And if not, today's the day to do that. Today's the day to make that commitment so that this Trinity tide season, the world might see in us the love of God and his truth incarnate and boldly living for him. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.